Act Three of Mary Rose by J. M. Barry. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act Three. Twenty-five years have passed, and the scene is again that cosy room in the Morlands' house. Not much changed since we last saw it. If chintzes have faded, others, as smiling, have taken their place. The time is a crisp autumn afternoon just before twilight comes. The apple tree, not so easy to renew as the chintzes, has become smaller, but there are a few gallant apples on it. The fire is burning, and round it sit Mr. and Mrs. Morland and Mr. Amy. The Morlands gone smaller like the apple tree, and Mr. Amy bulky, but all three on the whole still bearing their apples. Inwardly they have changed still less. Hear them at it as of yore. What are you laughing over, Fanny? It is this week's punch, so very amusing. Ah, punch. It isn't what it used to be. No, indeed. I disagree. You two try if you can look at this picture without laughing. They are unable to stand the test. I think I can say that I enjoy a joke as much as ever. You light-hearted old man. Not so old, Fanny. Please to remember that I am two months younger than you. How can I forget it when you have been casting it up against me all our married life? Fanny and I are seventy-three. You are a bit younger, George, I think. Oh, yes. Oh, dear, yes. You never say precisely what your age is. I am in the late sixties. I am sure I have told you that before. It seems to me you have been in the sixties longer than it is usual to be in them. Mrs. Morland, with her needles. James! No offence, George. I was only going to say that at seventy-three I certainly don't feel my age. How do you feel, George, at... at sixty-six? More loudly, as if Mr. Amy were a little deaf. Do you feel your sixty-six years? I am more than sixty-six, but I certainly don't feel my age. It was only last winter that I learned to skate. I still go out with the hounds. You forgot to come last time, George. If you were implying anything against my memory, James. Mr. Morland, peering through his glasses. What do you say? I was saying that I have never used glasses in my life. If I wear glasses occasionally, it certainly isn't because there is anything defective in my eyesight. But the type used by newspapers nowadays is so vile. There I agree with you, especially Bradshaw. Mr. Morland, not hearing him. I say the type used by newspapers of today is vile. Don't you think so? I have just said so. You are getting rather dull of hearing, James. I am? I like that, George. Why, I have constantly to shout to you nowadays. What annoys me is not that you are a little deaf. You can't help that. 
but from the nature of your replies, I often see that you are pretending to have heard what I said when you did not. That is rather vain, James. Vain? Now you have brought this upon yourself, George. I have got something here I might well be vain of, and I meant not to show it to you, because it will make you squirm. Mrs. Morland taps warningly. Ah, I didn't mean that, George. I am sure you will be delighted. What do you think of this? He produces a watercolour which his friend examines at arm's length. Let me hold it out for you, as your arms are so short. The offer is declined. Mr. Amy, with a sinking... Very nice. What do you call it? Have you any doubt? I haven't the slightest. I am sure that it is an early Turner. Mr. Amy, paling... Turner? What else can it be? Holman suggested a garden or even a day's. Absurd. Why, day's was only a glorified drawing-master. I flatter myself I can't make a mistake about a Turner. There is something about a Turner difficult to define, but unmistakable. An absolute something. It is a charming view, too. Kirkstall Abbey, obviously. Rivalx, I am convinced. I say Kirkstall. Mrs. Morland, with her needles. James. Well, you may be right. The place doesn't matter. There is an engraving of Rivalx in that copperplate magazine we were looking at. He turns up the page. I have got it. Rivalx. He brightens. Why, this is funny. It is an engraving of that very picture. Hello, hello, hello. Examining it through his private glass. And it is signed E. Days. Mr. Morland holds the sketch so close to him that it brushes his eyelashes. I wouldn't eat it, James. So, it is by Days, the drawing master, after all. I am sorry you have had this disappointment. Mrs. Morland taps warningly, but her husband is now possessed. You, sixty-six, Mr. Amy, you, sixty-six. James, this is very painful. Your chagrin I can well understand, but surely your sense of manhood... I regret that I have outstayed my welcome. I bid you good afternoon. Thank you, Mrs. Morland, for your unvarying hospitality. I shall see you into your coat, George. It is very kind of you, but I need no one to see me into my coat. You will never see your way into it by yourself. This unworthy remark is perhaps not heard, for Mrs. Morland succeeds once more in bringing the guest back. James, I cannot leave this friendly house in wrath. I am an irascible old beggar, George. What I should do without you? Or I without you, or either of us without that little old dear to whom we are a never-failing source of mirth. The little old dear curtsies, looking very frail as she does so. Tell Simon when he comes that I shall be in to see him tomorrow. Goodbye, Fanny. I suppose you think of the pair of us as in our second childhood. Not your second, George. I have never known any men who have quite passed their first. He goes, smiling. Mr. Morland, ruminating by the fire. 
He is a good fellow, George, but how touchy he is about his age. And he has a way of tottering off to sleep while one is talking to him. He is not the only one of us who does that. She is standing by the window. What are you thinking about, Fanny? I was thinking about the apple tree and that you have given the order for its destruction. It must come down. It is becoming a danger. Might fall on someone down there any day. I quite see that it has to go. She can speak of Mary Rose without a tremor now. But her tree? How often she made it a ladder from this room to the ground. Mr. Morland does not ask who, but he very nearly does so. Oh, yes, of course. Did she used to climb the apple tree? Yes, I think she did. He goes to his wife, as it were for protection. Mrs. Morland, not failing him. Had you forgotten that also, James? I'm afraid I forget a lot of things. Just as well. It is so long since she... How long is it, Fanny? Twenty-five years, a third of our lifetime. It will soon be dark. I can see the twilight running across the fields. Draw the curtains, dear. He does so and turns on the lights. They are electric lights now. Simon's train must be nearly due, is it not? In ten minutes or so. Did you forward his telegram? No, I thought he would probably get it sooner if I kept it here. Hmm, I dare say. He joins her on the sofa, and she sees that he is troubled. What is it, dear? I'm afraid I was rather thoughtless about the apple tree, Fanny. I hurt you. Such nonsense. Have another pipe, James. I will not have another pipe. I hereby undertake to give up smoking for a week as a punishment to myself. His breast swells a little. You will regret this, you know. Mr. Morland, his breast ceasing to swell. Why is my heart not broken? If I had been a man of real feeling, it would have broken twenty-five years ago, just as yours did. Mine didn't, dear. In a way, it did. As for me, at the time I thought I could never raise my head again. But there is a deal of the old Adam in me still. I ride and shoot and laugh and give pompous decisions on the bench and wrangle with old George as if nothing much had happened to me. I never think of the island now. I dare say I could go back there and fish. He finds that despite his outburst, his hand has strayed towards his tobacco pouch. See what I am doing. He casts his pouch aside as if it were the culprit. I am a man enamored of myself. Why, I have actually been considering, Fanny, whether I should have another dress suit. Mrs. Morland, picking up the pouch. And why shouldn't you? At my age? Fanny. This should be put on my tombstone. In spite of some adversity, he remained a lively old blade to the end. Perhaps that would be a rather creditable epitaph for any man, James, who has gone through as much as you have. What better encouragement to the young than to be able to tell them that happiness keeps breaking through? She puts the pipe, which she has been filling, 
in his mouth. If I smoke, Fanny, I shall despise myself more than ever. To please me. Mr. Morland, as she holds the light. I don't feel easy about it. Not at all easy. With a happy thought. At any rate, I won't get the dress suit. Your dress suit is shining like a mirror. Isn't it? I thought of a jacket suit only. The V-shaped waistcoat seems to be what they are all wearing now. Would you have braid on the trousers? I was wondering. You see... Oh, Fanny, you are just humoring me. Not at all. And as for the old Adam in you, dear Adam, there is still something of the old Eve in me. Our trip to Switzerland two years ago with Simon, I enjoyed every hour of it. The little card parties here, am I not called the noisy one? Think of the girls I have chaperoned and teased and laughed with, just as if I had never had a girl myself. Your brightness hasn't been all pretense? No, indeed. I have passed through the valley of the shadow, dear, but I can say thankfully that I have come out again into the sunlight. I suppose it is all to the good that, as the years go by, the dead should recede farther from us. Some say they don't. You and I know better, James. Up there in the misty Hebrides, I dare say they think of her as on the island still. Fanny, how long is it since, since you have thought that yourself? Ever so many years. Perhaps not the first year. I did cling for a time. The neighbors here didn't like it. She wasn't there, Mary Rose, you see. And yet her first disappearance... It is all unfathomable. It is as if Mary Rose was just something beautiful that you and I and Simon had dreamt together. You have forgotten much, but so have I. Even that room... She looks towards the little door. That was hers and her child's during all her short married life. I often go into it now without remembering that it was theirs. It is strange. It is rather terrible. You are pretty nigh forgotten, Mary Rose. That isn't true, dear. Mary Rose belongs to the past, and we have to live in the present for a very little longer. Just a little longer, and then we shall understand all. Even if we could drag her back to tell us now what these things mean, I think it would be a shame. Yes, I suppose so. Do you think Simon is a philosopher about it also? Don't be bitter, James, to your old wife. Simon was very fond of her. He was a true lover. Was? Was? Is it all was about Mary Rose? It just has to be. He had all the clever ones of the day advising, suggesting, probing. He went back to the island every year for a long time. Yes, and then he missed a year, and that somehow ended it. He never married again. Most men would. His work took her place. What a jolly hearty fellow he is. If you mean he isn't heartbroken, he isn't. Mercifully, the wound has healed. I am not criticizing, Fanny. I suppose anyone who came back after twenty-five years, however much they had been loved, it might... we... Should we know what to say to them, Fanny? Don't, James. 
She rises. Simon is late, isn't he? Very little. I heard the train a short time ago, and he might be here, just, if he had the luck to find a cab. But not if he is walking across the fields. Listen. Yes, wheels. That is probably Simon. He has got a cab. I do hope he won't laugh at me for having lit a fire in his room. I hope you put him out some bed socks. Do you think he would let me? You wretch. She hurries out and returns in Simon's arms. He is in great coat and mufti. He looks his years, grizzled with grey hair and not very much of it, and the tuft is gone. He is heavier and more commanding, full of vigour, a rollicking sea-dog for the moment. But it is a face that could be stern to harshness. Simon, saluting. Come aboard, sir. Let me down, you great bear. You know how I hate to be rumpled. Not she. Loves it. Always did. Get off your greatcoat, Simon. Down with it anywhere. Mrs. Morland, fussing delightedly. How cold your hands are. Come nearer to the fire. He is looking fit, though. We need to be fit these days. So nice to have you again. You do like duck, don't you? The train was late, wasn't it? A few minutes only. I made a selfish bolt for the one cab and got it. We thought you might be walking across the fields. No. I left the fields to the two other people who got out of the train. One of them was a lady. I thought something about her walk was familiar to me, but it was darkish and I didn't make her out. Bertha Colinton, I expect. She was in London today. If I had thought it was Mrs. Colinton, I would have offered her a lift. For a moment he gleams boyishly like the young husband of other days. Mother, I have news. I have got the Bellerophon on a stingen. The very ship you wanted? Rather. Bravo, Simon. It is like realising the ambition of one's life. I'm one of the lucky folk, I admit. He says this, and neither of them notices it is a strange remark. Mr. Morland, twinkling. Beastly life, a sailor's. Beastly. I've loathed it ever since I slept in the old Britannia, with my feet out at the porthole to give them air. We all slept that way. Must have been a pretty sight from the water. Oh, a beast of a life. But I wouldn't exchange it for any other in the world. And if this war does come... It won't, I'm sure. I dare say not. But they say, however... Simon, I had forgotten. There is a telegram for you. Avant! I do trust it is not recalling me. I'd hoped for at least five clear days. Mrs. Morland, giving it to him? We didn't open it. Two to one it is recalling me. It came two days ago. I don't like them, Simon. Never did. They have broken so many hearts. They've made many a heart glad, too. It may be from my airy, at last. Mother, do you think I was sometimes a bit harsh to him? I think you sometimes were, my son. Open it, Simon. Simon opens the telegram, and many unseen devils steal into the room. 
Mrs. Morland, shrinking from his face. It can't be as bad as that. We are all here, Simon. For a moment he has not been here himself. He has been on an island. He is a good son to Mrs. Morland now, thinking of her only, placing her on the sofa, going on his knees beside her and stroking her kind face. Her arms go out to her husband, who has been reading the telegram. Can't be. Can't be. Simon, like some better father than he perhaps has been. It is all right, mother. Don't you be afraid. It is good news. You are a brave one. You have come through much. You will be brave for another minute, won't you? She nods with a frightened smile. Mother dear, it is Mary Rose. It can't be true. It is too, too glorious to be true. Glorious? Is my Mary Rose alive? It is all right, all right. I wouldn't say it surely if it wasn't true. Mary Rose has come back. The telegram is from Cameron. You remember who he was? He is minister there now. Hold my hand and I'll read it. Your wife has come back. She was found today on the island. I am bringing her to you. She is quite well, but you will all have to be very careful. Simon, can it be? I believe it absolutely. Cameron would not deceive me. He might be deceived himself. He was a mere acquaintance. I am sure it is true. He knew her by sight as well as any of us. But after twenty-five years... Do you think I wouldn't know her after twenty-five years? My... my... she will be very changed. However changed, mother, wouldn't I know my Mary Rose at once? Her hair may be as grey as mine, her face, her little figure, her pretty ways. Though they were all gone. Don't you think I will know Mary Rose at once? He is suddenly stricken with a painful thought. Oh, my God! I saw her, and I didn't know her. Simon! It had been Cameron with her. They must have come in my train. Mother, it was she I saw going across the fields. Her little walk when she was excited. Half a run. I recognised it. But I didn't remember it was hers. Those unseen devils chuckle. It was getting dark. Mary Rose is coming across the fields. He goes out. Morland peers weakly through the window curtains. Mrs. Morland goes on her knees to pray. It is rather dark. I... I shouldn't wonder, though, there was a touch of frost tonight. I wish I was more use. Cameron enters, a bearded clergyman now. Mr. Cameron, tell us quickly, Mr. Cameron, is it true? It is true, ma'am. Mr. Blake met us at the gate, and he is with her now. I hurried on to tell you the things necessary. It is good for her that you should know them at once. Please, quick. You must be prepared to find her... Different. We are all different, 
her age. I mean, Mrs. Morland, different from what you expect. She is not different as we are different. They will be saying she is just as she was on the day she went away. Mrs. Morland shrinks. These five and twenty years, she will be thinking they were just an hour in which Mr. Blake and I had left her in some incomprehensible jest. James, just as it was before. But when you told her the truth? She will not have it. She must have seen how much older you are. She does not know me, ma'am, as the boy who was with her that day. When she did not recognise me, I thought it best. She was so troubled already not to tell her. But now that she has seen Simon, his appearance, his grey hair, when she saw him, she would know. I am not sure. It is dark out there. She must have known that he would never have left her and come home. That secretly troubles her, but she will not speak of it. There is some terrible dread lying on her heart. A dread? Harry! James, if she should think that Harry is still a child! I have never heard what became of the boy. He ran away to sea when he was twelve years old. We had a few letters from Australia. Very few. We don't know where he is now. How was she found, Mr. Cameron? Two men fishing from a boat saw her. She was asleep by the shore, at the very spot where Mr. Blake made a fire so long ago. There was a rowan tree beside it. At first they were afraid to land, but they did. They said there was such a joy on her face as she slept that it was a shame to waken her. Joy? That is so, sir. I have sometimes thought... There is a gleeful clattering on the stairs of someone to whom they must be familiar. And if her father or mother have doubted, they know now before they see her that Mary Rose has come back. She enters. She is just as we saw her last, except that we cannot see her quite so clearly. She is leaping towards her mother in the old impulsive way, and the mother responds in her way, but something steps between them. Mary Rose, puzzled. What is it? It is the years. My love. Mary Rose. Father. But the obstacle is still there. She turns timidly to Simon, who has come in with her. What is it, Simon? She goes confidently to him, till she sees what the years have done with him. She shakes now. My beloved wife. He takes her in his arms, and so does her mother, and she is glad to be there. But it is not of them she is thinking. And soon she softly disengages herself. We are so glad you uh, had a comfortable journey, Mary Rose. You would like a cup of tea, wouldn't you? Is there anything I can do? 
Mary Rose's eyes go from him to the little door at the back. Mary Rose, coaxingly to her father. Tell me. Tell you what, dear? Mary Rose, appealing to Cameron. You? He presses her hand and turns away. She goes to Simon and makes much of him, cajoling him. Simon, my Simon, be nice to me, Simon. Be nice to me, dear Simon, and tell me. Dearest love, since I lost you, it was a long time ago. It wasn't. Please, it wasn't. She goes to her mother. Tell me, my dear mother. I don't know what she wants to be told. I know. Mary Rose, an unhappy child. Where is my baby? They cannot face her, and she goes to seek an answer from the room that lies beyond the little door. Her mother and husband follow her. Mr. Morland and Cameron, left alone, are very conscious of what may be going on in that inner room. Have you been in this part of the country before, Mr. Cameron? I have not, sir. It is my first visit to England. You cannot hear the sea in this house at all, which is very strange to me. If I might show you our downs. I thank you, Mr. Morland, but... In such circumstances, do not trouble about me at all. They listen. I do not know if you are interested in prints. I have a pencil sketch by Cousins, undoubtedly genuine. I regret my ignorance on the subject. This matter, so strange, so inexplicable. Please don't talk of it to me, sir. I am an old man. I have been so occupied all my life with little things. Very pleasant. I cannot cope. Cannot cope. A hand is placed on his shoulder so sympathetically that he dares to ask a question. Do you think she should have come back, Mr. Cameron? The stage darkens and they are blotted out. Into this darkness... Mrs. Otery enters with a candle, and we see that the scene has changed to the dismantled room of the first act. Harry is sunk in the chair as we last saw him. Mrs. Otery, who in her other hand has a large cup and saucer. Here is your tea, mister. Are you sitting in the dark? I haven't been more than the ten minutes I promised you. I was... She stops short, struck by his appearance. She holds a candle near him. He is staring wide-eyed into the fire, motionless. What is the matter, mister? Here is the tea, mister. He looks at her blankly. I have brought you a cup of tea. I have just been the ten minutes. Harry, rising. Wait a moment. He looks about him, like one taking his bearings. Give me the tea. That's better. Thank you, missus. Have you seen anything? See here, as I sat in that chair. I wasn't sleeping, mind you. It's no dream. 
but things of the far past connected with this old house things i knew not of they came crowding out of their holes and gathered round me till i saw i saw them all so clear that i don't know what to think woman he is a grave man now never mind about that tell me about this ghost it's no concern of yours yes it is some concern of mine the folk that used to live here the moorlands that was the name i suppose you heard it in the village i have heard it all my days it is one of the names i bear i am one of the family i suspicioned that i suppose that is what made them come to me as i sat here tell me about them it is a little i know they were dead and gone before my time the old man and his wife it's not them i am asking you about they had a son-in-law a sailor the war made a great man of him before it drowned him i know that he was my father hard i used to think him but i know better now go on there's the other one mrs otery reluctantly that was all there is one more if you must speak of her she is dead too i never saw her in life where is she buried down by the church is there a stone yes does it say her age no is that holy spot well taken care of you can see for yourself i will see for myself and so it is her ghost that haunts this house she makes no answer he struggles with himself there is no such thing as ghosts and yet is it true about folk having lived in this house and left in a hurry it's true because of a ghost a thing that can't be when i came in your eyes were staring i thought you had seen her have you ever seen her yourself she shivers where in this room she looks at the little door in there has she ever been out of that room all over the house in every room and on the stairs i tell you i've met her on the stairs and she drew back to let me pass and said good evening too timid like and at another time she has gone by me like a rush of wind what is she like is she dressed in white they are all as dressed in white aren't they she looks just like you or me but for all that she's as light as air i've seen things you look like it too but she is harmless it seems there's some wouldn't say that them that left in a hurry if she thought you were keeping it from her she would do you a mischief keeping what from her whatever it is she prowls about this cold house searching for searching searching i don't know what it is maybe i could tell you i dare say i could even put her in the way of finding him then i wish to god you would 
and let her rest. My old dear, there are worse things than not finding what you're looking for. There is finding them so different from what you had hoped. He moves about. A ghost. Oh, no. And yet, and yet. See here, I am going into that room. As you like, I care not. I'll burst open the door. No need. It's not locked. I cheated you about that. But I tried it, and it wouldn't open. Mrs. Otery is very unhappy. You think she is in there? She may be. Harry, taking a deep breath. <sighs> Give me air. He throws open the window, and we see that it is a night of stars. Leave me here now. I have a call to make. Mrs. Otery, hesitating. I dunno. You think you're in no danger, but... That is how it is to be, missus. Just ten minutes you were out of the room, did you say? That was all. God! She leaves him. After a moment's irresolution, he sets off upon his quest, carrying the candle which takes with it all the light of the room. He is visible on the other side of the darkness in the little passage, and opening the door beyond. He returns, and now we see the pale ghost of Mary Rose standing in the middle of the room, as if made out of the light he has brought back with him. Mary Rose, bowing to him timidly. Have you come to buy the house? Harry, more startled by his own voice than by hers. Not me. It is a very nice house, isn't it? It was a nice house once. Wasn't it? Did you know this house? When I was a young shaver. Young? Was it you who laughed? When was that? There was once someone who laughed in this house. Don't you think laughter is a very pretty sound? Is it? I dare say I never thought about it. You are quite old. I'm getting on. Would you mind telling me why everyone is so old? I don't know you. Do I? I wonder. Take a look. You might have seen me in the old days, playing about, outside in the garden, or even inside. You... you are not Simon, are you? No. My name is Harry. I don't think so. I strongly object to your saying that. I'm a queer sort of cove, and I would like to hear you call me Harry. I decline. I regret, but I absolutely decline. No offense. I think you are sorry for me. I am that. I am sorry for me, too. Harry, desperately desirous to help her. If only there was something I... I know nothing about ghosts, not a thing. Can they sit down? Could you? He turns the chair toward her. That is your chair. What do you mean by that? That is where you were sitting. Were you in this room when I was sitting there? I came in to look at you. 
A sudden thought makes him cross with the candle to where he had left his knife. It is gone. Where is my knife? Were you standing, looking at me with my knife in your hand? She is sullenly silent. Give me my knife. She gives it to him. What made you take it? I thought you were perhaps the one. The one? The one who stole him from me. I see. God's sake, in a sort of way, I suppose I am. He sits in the chair. Give him back to me. I wish I could, but I'm doubting he is gone beyond recall. Who is he? Do you mean you have forgotten who it is you are searching for? I knew once. It is such a long time ago. I am so tired. Please, can I go away and play now? Go away? Where? You mean back to that? That place? She nods. What sort of a place is it? Is it good to be there? Lovely, lovely, lovely. It's not just the island, is it? That's so lovely, lovely? She is perplexed. Have you forgotten the island, too? I am sorry. The island, the place where you heard the call. What is that? You have even forgotten the call. With vision? As far as I can make out, it was as if, in a way, there were two kinds of dogs out hunting you, the good and the bad. Mary Rose, who thinks he is chiding her? Please don't be cross with me. I am far from cross with you. I begin to think it was the good dogs that got you. Are they ghosts in that place? Mary Rose, with surprising certainty. No. You are sure? Honest Injun. What fairly does me, if the place is so lovely, what made you leave it? I don't know. Do you think you could have fallen out? I don't know. She thinks his power is great. Please, I don't want to be a ghost anymore. As far as I can see, if you wasn't a ghost, there, you made yourself one by coming back. But it's no use your expecting me to be able to help you. She droops at this, and he holds out his arms. Come to me, ghosty. I wish you would. Mary Rose, prim again? Certainly not. If you come, I'll try to help you. She goes at once and sits on his knee. See here, when I was sitting by the fire alone, I seemed to hear you as you once were saying that some day, when he was a man, he would like to sit on your Harry's knee. Mary Rose, vaguely quoting she knows not whom. The loveliest time of all will be when he is a man and takes me on his knee, instead of my taking him on mine. Do you see who I am now? Nice man. Is that all you know about me? Yes. There is a name I would like to call you by, but my best course is not to worry you. Poor soul, I wonder if there ever was a man with a ghost on his knee before. I don't know. 
Seems to me you're feared of being a ghost, I dare say. To a timid thing, being a ghost is worse than seeing them. Yes. Is it lonely, being a ghost? Yes. Do you know any other ghosts? No. Would you like to know other ghosts? Yes. I can understand that. And now you would like to go away and play. Please. In this cold house, when you should be searching, do you sometimes play by yourself instead? Don't tell. Oh, not me. You're a pretty thing. What beautiful shoes you have. She holds out her feet complacently. Nice buckles. I like your hair. Pretty hair. Do you mind the tuft that used to stand up at the back of... of Simon's head? Naughty tuft. I have one like that. Mary Rose, smoothing it down. Oh dear, oh dear, what a naughty tuft. My name is Harry. Mary Rose, liking the pretty sound. Harry. Harry, Harry, Harry. But you don't know what Harry I am. No. And this brings us no nearer what's to be done with you. I would willingly stay here, though I have my clearing in Australia. But you're just a ghost. They say there are ways of laying ghosts, but I am so ignorant. Tell me. I wish I could. You are even more ignorant than I am. Tell me. All I know about them for certain is that they are unhappy because they can't find something, and then once they have got the thing they want, they go away happy and never come back. Oh, nice. The one thing clear to me is that you have got that thing at last, but you are too dog-tired to know or care. What you need now is to get back to the place you say is lovely, lovely. Yes, yes. It sounds as if it might be heaven, or near thereby. She wants him to find out for her. Queer, you that know so much can tell nothing, and them that know nothing can tell so much. If there was any way of getting you to that glory place... Tell me. He would surely send for you, if he wanted you. Yes. It's like as if he had forgotten you. Yes. It's as if nobody wanted you, either there or here. Yes. She rises. Bad man. It's easy to call me names, but the thing fair beats me. There's nothing I wouldn't do for you, but a mere man is so helpless. How should the likes of me know what to do with a ghost that has lost her way on earth? I wonder if what it means is that you broke some law just to come back for the sake of... of that, Harry. If it was that, it's surely time he overlooked it. Yes. He looks at the open window. What a night of stars. Good old glitterers. I dare say they are in the know, but I am thinking you are too small a thing to get a helping hand from them. Yes. The call is again heard, but there is in it now no unholy sound. 
It is a celestial music that is calling for Mary Rose, Mary Rose, first in whispers and soon so loudly that for anyone who can hear it, it is the only sound in the world. Mary Rose, Mary Rose. As it wraps her round, the weary little ghost knows that her long day is done. Her face is shining. The smallest star shoots down as if it were her star sent for her, and with her arms stretched forth to it trustingly, she walks out through the window into the Empyrean. The music passes with her. Harry hears nothing, but he knows that somehow a prayer has been answered. End of Act Three. End of Mary Rose by J. M. Barry.